0: You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena and pastor of Christ the King University Parish in Missoula, Montana. As I may have mentioned in previous homilies, my first year of seminary and the first year of seminary for all of our men studying to be priests is completely free of phones or computers or news, music, uh, generally just any media. We have a short bit on Saturday where you can check your phone, uh, call your mom, check your email, anything you need to do that's essential. So one month into my first year at seminary, I was checking my bank account, and I noticed that there were some withdrawals that I didn't recognize. So I called my parents. They had mentioned that my brother had needed some cash, uh, so he'd taken some of my money. Uh, The company he worked for in, in Boston was making some cuts, and his hours were had been taken down a little bit. Checked the account the following week. He'd taken some more. Started to get a little bit nervous because uh, I had saved up a decent amount of money prior to going to uh, seminary from you know, summer firefighting jobs. And I was just watching it kind of disappear. There's nothing I could do. After a while, I got angry enough that I just called my brother. And then he told me what was going on. You know, his, his company had gone completely abroad. He'd lost his job. He was just trying to work a couple of part-time jobs to make ends meet in the meantime. And he just couldn't survive without a little bit of extra cash. And so here I was sitting in seminary, all of my needs met, judging my brother, uh, who was just trying to find enough work to survive. It was in the middle of the recession, and in one of the most expensive cities in America where everyone wanted to be. Over the next few months, he ended up needing. Everything that I had, took all my money. And uh, it was just enough to bridge him over to his next job. And then he was doing fine after that. Meanwhile, I had finally taken this thing to prayer because that was the whole point of that year. Uh, and I, up until that moment, I had refused to actually pray about the situation. And when I did, finally, the Lord spoke two very clear graces into my heart. First was that my brother had trusted me enough to do this. And by that, by that I mean, he knew, he trusted that I loved him because he knew that he could demand that of me, demand that I be generous to him, demand that I give of the very little that I had, and he could demand that, and I was willing to give it to him because I loved him. So my brother knew that I loved him, which was a huge grace for me to know that. Uh, the second grace was that it was never really about me and my brother. That wasn't really the issue at hand it was much deeper than that the issue was between me and god because i had followed the lord when he called me into seminary but i was unwilling to follow him without a ball of cash in my pocket i was i trusted god enough to follow but not without a backup plan sort of like abraham when the lord calls him away from his homeland away from his family and everything and promises to make a great nation of him, he says, okay, Lord, I'm going to follow you, but I'm going to bring my nephew Lot just in case, just in case that promise of an heir doesn't come through. I still have my nephew to take my inheritance. And just like that, I was willing to follow, but I needed that backup plan. And the Lord had to strip me of my backup plan in order that I could really enter in in a real way. He did so by first reminding me that I only even had the money because of his providence. It was is a gift. You know, my final year at Carroll College, a friend was working in the scholarship office, and he noticed this endowment that had just been sitting there for years, and it was for philosophy students who were discerning priesthood. There hadn't been one of those through Carroll in a long time. I was the only one who qualified, and it had just been building up money. And so all this money I had saved to pay for my senior year of college, I could I could hold on to because the scholarship covered it. So the Lord had given me this as a gift because He knew that I wouldn't have been willing to follow Him if I didn't have that backup plan. And then once I was in, He asked me to freely give it away and really trust in Him. And so I entered into a sort of life of forced vulnerability to God's providence. And let me tell you, it was infinitely more exciting than my life previous. Just one story, I was in my second year of seminary and I was at my apostolic assignment, which is this thing we'd go to once a week. Some of them were great, some of them were frustrating. This one happened to be very frustrating. I was at the School of Mines and it wasn't really anybody's fault, it was just kind of a bad assignment. But I was in, I was in the you know, bathroom after mass one day and this kid, as he was walking out of the bathroom, just turned the lights off on us. And so me and the guy next to me are like, hey, 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 you t- stop it. Yeah, turn the lights back on. You yeah, know, this is an awkward situation. So he turns the lights back on, and, and it broke the ice, so I start talking to the guy next to me. And turns out he lives in Fruita, Colorado. I don't know if you know anything about Fruita. Beautiful place, great mountain biking. So I was like, oh, man, I've always wanted to go bike in Fruita. That's amazing. He's like, oh, yeah, our whole family, we mountain bike, you know, come over and hang with us. Stay with us. I was like, you kidding? Are you, like, are you being serious about this? Because I'm actually going to show up on your doorstep And I don't want that to have been just sort of like a polite comment. He's like, no, absolutely. Come over. So just a few weeks later was when we had a long weekend and just the frustrations of the year, I really wanted to get away, but I didn't have the money to drive to Fruta. Didn't even have the gas money to get there. And I did not go to the Lord. It wasn't like I was now suddenly like this person who depended on the Lord's providence for everything. Because the way I thought of God was sort of as like a, a divine ambulance or like first responder where he, he came in emergency situations and got the job done. And in every other time I was just kind of doing my own thing. That's kind of how my life worked. I called on the Lord when I needed him. I handled the rest, uh, you know, the day to day, but the Lord knew me better than that. And as it is with all our lives, the Lord doesn't just want us to survive. He wants our joy. And so a couple days before that weekend, uh, the Knights Council from Townsend, Montana, decided to support me. They sent me uh, some money to support me in seminary. They just said the Lord had put it on their heart. I hadn't asked them. And I was able to go on this trip to Fruta. And that was when I began to see the way in which the Lord wanted me to demand that he help. Wanted me to demand of him that he work in my life in a real way. And what does John the Baptist ask in the gospel today? He says, are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? John the Baptist asks this while he's sitting in prison. He has staked his whole life on the Lord, on the preaching of Jesus Christ. His whole life depends on that truth. If it's not true, then he has lived in vain, because he's put his whole life on it. He will eventually be beheaded for the truth that he preached in the name of Christ, And he found joy doing so, even in the midst of that hardship. If we live self-sufficient lives where we can take care of ourselves, never making ourselves vulnerable to God's providence, we will never actually know that he loves us. So I don't don't know if that makes sense. Like, if, if we never put ourselves in a place where we need the Lord's providence and love in our lives then he can never prove to us that he does love us and wants to take care of us. And then we can never trust him. We never will, because he will never have an opportunity to prove his trust, his trustworthiness. When I actually have the faith to put myself in that position, which means at this point, and for many of you, giving sacrificially to the point that we actually then need the Lord. Because that is precisely when life gets interesting. It's when our faith actually comes alive, when it matters that we have faith. Now, if, when I trust in myself, which I will be honest, like I've gotten back into that habit in the past years. I have not given of myself to the point that I actually need the Lord's providence. And so he has no work to room to work and life becomes very dull because I am dull. So this is my this is what i'm presenting to everyone that that we begin to live lives that are sacrificial that we give to the point that we actually then need the lord to act in our lives in real ways that we then actually need the lord to provide for us that we give in a sacrificial way and i'm not i'm not asking this because you know Christ the King is in an, an existential crisis financially or something like that. You know, at this Mass, you know, majority of you are students. Uh, and it's, and that the money isn't huge. Uh, but I'm asking it actually because it is at the core of the Christian life that we make ourselves vulnerable to God. And for us, especially in America, financial vulnerability. Like actually given to the point where we actually need the Lord to provide is one of the key ways in which we need to make ourselves vulnerable because that security is at the core of our anxiety. So, we also know that, I mean, we're surviving here, but the goal of the spiritual life and of the parish and of the church is not to survive, but to grow and thrive. You know, what I'm asking today is basically the same as what John the Baptist asks, which is Jesus Christ one who is to come, or should we look for another? Do we actually believe that if we are to make ourselves vulnerable to God, that he would care for us? Or do we believe that he would abandon us? If we demand his providence, is he going to come through? Or do we need that backup plan, that ball of cash, just in case we need to run away? I've been convicted on this uh, multiple times recently, just through a variety of circumstances in my life, and and uh, just here at Christ the King, and I actually have a renewed desire to enter into this, and I've just I've begun to discern what that looks like for me. So I want to invite you to do the same. Pray about it. What is God asking of you? Not in a vague way, but in a very concrete way. And then trust in Him and act.